and welcome into An Abundance of Thrones, the exclusive Game of Thrones podcast with the An Abundance of Not Network. Garrett here with Brad and Wade. Hey guys. Hello. Ooh, it's back. Woohoo, it is back. Game of Thrones what's season it, what's four. What's it been, like 42 weeks? Uh, yeah, it's been roughly 42 weeks, yes. Maybe even 43, actually. Because when we first started doing podcasts, we did it with the Season 3 opener. And our one-year anniversary for podcasting was the Wednesday before the Season 4 opener. So, nice. could even be 43 weeks. It's been so long, I don't even know. Who cares? It's too long. Before we get too involved, I do want to emphasize that this will be an explicit podcast. We are not holding any punches. So if that is a problem for you, end it now. Uh, but considering you watch Game of Thrones, I don't think you fucking give a shit. So <laughs> enjoy the podcast. It's Let's a Game of fun. Thrones podcast. If Game of don't. Thrones is rated M.A. So is this podcast. If so is don't. this podcast. This podcast will focus on, uh, once again, the season four, episode one, opening uh, for the season, uh, episode title, Two Swords. Let's, uh, what do you think of the title? I th- well, obviously with the opening scene, and actually if you want to correlate the opening scene to the end scene, uh, extremely fitting. Uh, if, if you don't recall, the end scene was a fade away from Arya and the Hound leaving the pub after Arya retrieves Needle. Uh, with two swords. And now, between the two of them, they each have a sword and... Uh, with Arya's training, where the sword is an extension of the body, they can be seen as two swords themselves. And she has a pony. And she got her pony, yes. Yeah. Yes, she did. Uh, before we get too deep into our perceptions, likes, dislikes, etc., I got a few things I want to touch on. The director for this episode was D.B. Weiss. Writer for the episode was both Dan Benioff and D.B. Weiss. The viewership, get this... 6.64 million viewers in the United States. You know, that's a pretty good showing. It's a pretty good showing, but let me put this in perspective. The season 3, episode 10, season 3 finale, Misa, had a mere 5.4 million U.S. hits. Mere. 5.39 million. Mere. Uh, and, and the season three episode one opener pulled in a little under four point four million. So, in so season, it's growing. In season three, they grew a million views, and from the off season of season three to season four, they gained one point two million viewers in the United States. And this doesn't count all the piracy, uh, you know, torrents and whatnot, because it's supposedly the number one most torrented. Um, Entertainment, media, TV show, whatever. It's like the top one. So, good on them. Addition to that little bit of tidbit, Game of Thrones has been renewed for both Season 5 and Season 6. Announced this week on the Game of Thrones uh, Facebook page. So, we will have at least two more seasons of Thronage. Thronage. (laughs) Thronage. Throne. Okay, so what was your first, you know, uh, apart from the general elation that, you know, hey, it's finally another season. 
that opening scene where they're smelting the sword into into two swords. What was your first thought when you saw that? Um, well, being a book reader, audiobook listener, you knew it was coming. Now, I want to do a little recap because there was, um, I listened to a couple other podcasts and there was some confusion here and there. Um, first of all, the sword, for those who don't know and didn't see the near two minute uh, clip prior to the episode, which was like up to this point in Game of Thrones... They pretty much focused on the sword. They, they kind of did, but if you missed it, the sword that was melted down was ice, which was Ned Stark's <gasps> sword. No. Which was transferred to Ellen Payne to remove Ned Stark's head. So, obviously, they never mentioned that in the episode. They did mention that the steel came from someone who no longer needs it, um, and that it was absurdly large that there was enough material to make two swords out of. But just to clear that up, also... In a previous podcast, there was some confusion as to what the pelt was that Ty went through into the fire. Did you guys have any confusion as to what that was or no, used for? There was no confusion on my part. That no. was uh, that, that was, was pretty clear pelt. to me. Yeah, that was the pelt of the wolf, the dire wolf that was killed at the red wedding, and used for no. I don't think it was the pelt of the dire wolf at the red wedding. I believe it was just a, a wolf pelt that was used as a sheath of the sword. Because he sees him pull the sheath oh, out of the sword yes. out of it. So I think it was just a, a sheath that they used. Um, it could have been a dire wolf, you know, could have been Lady's pelt from um, season one where Ned had to kill Lady what because color of was Lady, though? Nemeria. Uh Brownish, the color would have coincided. Mm, okay. Um, I have to say, because it was a dark pelt. It could have been the pelt from the mother direwolf where they found the cubs at, but they never went into it. But it was clear, at least clearly the sheath of the sword. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how that could have been confused. Uh, my overall well, perceptions, to answer your, to your general question, was I thought the episode was a little slow. There was a couple decent action scenes, but... As a season one opener, they're trying to get us back in touch with all the characters, so I get it. Um, yeah, I agree. There wasn't there wasn't much story pacing, um, but after forty two weeks off, you know, it's kind of like coming back to school after summer break. The first, you know, week or so of school is refreshers. Yeah, you're talking to your friends. Hey, what'd you do this summer? No, it's not that. Yep. It's the education factor too. Is you need, we need to set the foundation again to build beyond. And, yep, um, it's been so long that we need to kind of reestablish where we left the story. Yep, there was a few call-outs to the Red Wedding, both, both Sansa and Tyrion and Arya, to, uh, you know, keep that as a, as a reminder. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, uh, definitely, uh, obviously it's always enjoyable. Ray, did you have some... Initial thoughts or scenes you wanted to touch base on? Well, like we said, we the ice was melted down to two swords. I'm wondering who's getting the other. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, but I thought that one sword went to Jamie and one sword went to Joffrey, but Joffrey already has a Valyrian steel sword, I thought, that we saw prior to the Battle of Blackwater at... Um, what was that the end of season three, two? 
That was the battle against Stannis, if I remember right. Yeah, where he has he calls yeah. it a uh, heart eater and has wants Sansa to kiss it. Wasn't that a Valyrian steel sword? I believe it was. Uh, you'll notice that the second sword was much shorter yes. than the first. Other podcasts alluded to maybe it was a dwarf sword for a dwarf, but he's I not a soldier. Um, you know, so I don't necessarily see the, the how that would really make sense because he's you know, Tyrion's not a warrior. He shouldn't be in need of that. There was correlation to maybe Cersei getting a weapon, but she has expressed that she was always treated differently than Jaime because of being female. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Well, hopefully they will be answered in future episodes. And we before going on, we should probably go ahead and, and preface this, and we should have done this at the beginning. Spoiler alert. We're discussing the episode. If you haven't seen the episode and don't want to know what what happens, you know, you shouldn't be listening. Get that's, the hell out. Yeah, that's correct. Get the co- hell co- out of come here. Come back and listen to the discussion once you've heard it because we're discussing what happens in the episode. That's correct. We're not so. going to do a blow-by-blow. Blow. We're just giving some of our impressions and some of our maybe top picks or even uh, least favorite because they were worth mentioning. Absolutely. There are other podcasts out there that do a blow-by-blow blow and, and really get in-depth, but we're we're not them. So... Um, but wait, did you had, was there some, uh, a scene or something like that you want to talk about? Yeah, the real scene I'd like to talk about is, a, was it Jamie getting his, was it his iron gold hand? Golden hand? I think this was talked about in the books, but I don't think he ever actually acquired a prosthetic. He's, he's getting an upgrade, isn't he? He's got a new sword of Valerian steel, he's got a, an iron hand, which, I mean, is... Perfectly shaped for backhand bitch laps. Um. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, that's like the perfect curvature and like the most broad face on the back of the hand for just a solid backhand. But, uh, yeah. And he's got a comedic side when, was it, uh, what's his name? The metal worker. Stan, no, it's a Stannis. Wow. So, the one who made the hand. Oh, well, I don't know if he made the hand, but he was... Uh, the one who put it on. The former maester who was actually the one who cleaned his wound uh, after the amputation. To which the maester was leaving any kind of wave. Yeah, to kind of give a little uh, 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 wave. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty awesome. Well, if this is the other hand. Well, at least he's got a career in comedy. Yeah. Brad, any, uh, so- any scenes, anything that jumped out to you? Probably the the one that stood out most, uh, and even having read the books, it was still a shock to see it on screen. Was um, when uh, Danny and her former slave army are marching on uh, Marine. Yes, and they get within within distance of the city, and uh, along the side of the road are crucified dead bodies of slaves pointing, pointing the, the way. way to the city. Yeah, inviting her. Yes, we're here. Yep. <clears throat> yep, we're, we're here. We're we know you're afraid. coming. We're not scared. Guess what? For the next 163 miles, 
there's going to be a dead slave every mile just welcoming you. Come on over. Yep. You're the freer of slaves. Free these ones. Good luck. Yeah. Yep. I want to see her have at least one of her companions, such as Dario no... Naharis. Naharis. Or Grey Worm just be like, okay, stab him for as many slaves <laughs> as we saw walking here. Yeah. Stick him with the pointy end. That's right. You, you want to play this game? So can I. Which, technically, I could see her doing. Yeah, she is uh, devout in her belief of no slaves that she will... Should she get the opportunity, exact vengeance on this atrocity. Um, what did you think about a certain recasted character, Brad? Which one? Ooh, they didn't uh, Dario There's Naharis. been a couple recasts this, this year. Okay, what, who else was recasted? I think I saw one, but I'm not positive. I don't know that, uh, I don't think he was in this episode, but uh, okay. I believe the mountain has been recast. He's actually been recast a couple times. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm I'm curious why. Okay. You know, I'll, if you've I'll got such that. a grand role on this awesome show, why would you let that go? You know, I understand the recasting of someone like Toman, who in theory is growing up. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to need to cast older and older actors. They keep on finding someone bigger. Well, the original yeah, exactly. Mountain was a professional uh, wrestler and something like six foot eight or something crazy. He was huge. Yeah. Um, and then they recast to somebody else. And uh, I, I guess from what you're saying, they, they recast again. To me, it looked like Podrick, who is Tyrion's squire, looked like... Looked a little different this epi- this yeah this episode. I wasn't sure if it was recast or maybe the, the actor lost some weight or something, but there was something different about that. But the recast we saw in this episode was that of Dario Naharis. Did you pick up on that? Were you? No, I didn't. Okay, I think that's been. <laughs> but kind then of again, I'm, I wasn't really in tune to it. I haven't seen. You know, I didn't go back and recap the previous seasons, so, okay. you know, it's been 42 weeks. Sure. Now, Dario Naharis was the one who was part of the captains of... The Second Sons, I believe. The Second Sons, very good, correct. And they wanted to kill Danny because they knew or realized that fighting the Unsolid in open combat was going to be uh, a not fortunate uh, chain of events. Instead, he decides to kill his fellow captains and bring Danny their heads to show that he is loyal to her beauty. Uh, the first character, actor's name was Ed Screen, S K R E I N. Uh, he had a lot of ex- a lot of confidence and, and cockiness, and the replacement actor I didn't get that from. Now the reason of the mm-hmm. recast is that. Uh, Ed landed a lead role in the Transporter movie franchise, portraying ah. Jason Statham's younger self. He looked like, sorry, the first Dario Harris looked, reminded me of the, was it the guy with the thousand faces with Arya? He kind, kind of, of. I mean, they both had long hair and whatever. Um, 
Yeah, this guy, his hair was shorter. He was... Darker hair, beard. Had just had less less flair, I guess, in his mannerisms. So that kind of uh, kind of bugged me a little bit. I picked up on it right away, but I did recently watch all of Game of Thrones season one, all the way through. So right, um, we had that. But um, you know, clearly, we're seeing that Game of Thrones is a gateway to promising careers. I mean, we've seen Kit Harington in uh, major movies for that of Pompeii. We've seen Jamie, uh, Nikolai in previous movies and, and movies coming out. He was a established actor in his home country of Denmark, I believe, anyway. But he's taken into the Hollywood scene. Uh, Lena Headey, we've seen in a few things. Um, but some of the younger younger actors or less well-known actors or side parts are becoming, um, you know, high up in the in the Hollywood scene, so... Jumping around a little bit, I thought the closing scene was almost touching in a way. You know, Arya has almost kind of settled in to being a, almost a tentative kind of friend to the Hound. Yeah, it was kind of a... We saw her even give a little bit of a smirk um, when she watched um, in, in her killings of... The, the guys at the tavern. The tavern, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw kind of a smirk when the hound said, fuck the king, and she's like, yeah, fuck the king. Um, we saw a little smirk as she rode away on her own pony, but the background of where they were headed was an ominous feel. You know, land was scorched, there was fires burning, it was, you know, kind of destroyed by these Lannister men and whoever else just having their way with the countryside. Yeah, but, you know, if you throw back a few episodes into last season, when she was first captured, you know, she's struggling to get away. She doesn't like this guy. She doesn't trust this guy. Any little chance she gets, she's running. Yes. And now here we are, beginning of season four, and she's got her sword back and her own horse and is riding happily, oh, well... I use happily kind of loosely, but happily behind the hound on to wherever they're headed next. Yeah, now she said earlier too when she talked about getting the pony and the hound says, right, I'm going to let the only thing I have of value just ride away. And she says, well, where would I go? My my mother's right. dead. My brother's dead. Winterfell's burnt. I, I, what am I going to do? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to last the night without you. So, right. you know, you want me for my value, and I need you to survive. So yep. we have a symbiotic relationship going on at the moment. And her kind of stepping up at the end of the fight scene in the tavern shows that, you know, she's not totally helpless. She got vindictive with that. <laughs> and she saw the smirk, too, where she knew she got to cross a name off of her nightly prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes. So definitely, definitely wicked, wicked awesome on that. Uh, another well, side you know, note. this guy stole her sword, her only connection to John. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't think it's so much and, about yeah. the piece of steel itself as this right. was what John gave her before he left for the wall. Yep, and she mentioned that too, walking to the tavern. She goes, my brother gave that to me. And she's, and in the books they talk about this too, and mainly because she was looked down upon because in the books she's not a cute girl. 
Uh, right. She is. She's, she's not ladylike. She is not. Well, she's not ladylike in mannerisms or in in uh, visuals. So she and John both got together because they both kind of felt like outcasts, and so she's the only one that really calls John brother. But walking right. up to the tavern, she says, "You know, my brother gave that to me, and I, I'm going to have it back. I want it back." Yeah. Uh, on a side note here, another um, a big hooray for a fellow, not fellow, but Game of Thrones cast member, Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Brian of Tarth, has been cast in the Mocking or Hunger Games series for Mockingjay Part Two. So good for her. Uh, <laughs> hasn't said if this is going to interfere with any of the Game of Thrones uh, airings and whatnot. This is the Mockingjay Part 2, so Part 1, which I think they're either working on or finishing up now, um, film-wise. So she's cast, but I don't know if it's got underway yet. But I saw that last night, looking through the Facebook page, and uh, definitely felt it worth sharing. What did you think of... Tyrion and, and Sansa this episode. Either one of you. I think Tyrion is trying really hard to overcome a lot of uh, bitterness on Sansa's part. Um, you know, he's, he's actually trying to be sweet. He's trying to take care of her, you know, as best he can. He comes out right and says, you know, she's still a girl. He, he did you know? come out and say that, but he's also taking his marriage very seriously, too, though. It's yes. not just a marriage for, oh, my dad told me how to marry her, so I, I, I said some words and I did whatever. He's, he's not taking this as a marriage of convenience. He's taking this as, you know, this is something that needs to be cared for because, how do I say this? If it goes south, I mean, not only he has to he has to face the wrath of Tywin, and we all know you never want to face the thing. wrath of Tywin. Yeah, I mean, we saw Tyrion in the brothel with Prince Oberon from uh, Oberon, 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 Oberon. I keep saying Oberon, but isn't that a planet from Star Wars? No idea. No. No. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, uh, where the prince asked Tyrion if he's going to partake, or if he does partake, and Tyrion said, I partook plenty, but now I'm married. So, yes. you know, and then we see the scene with Shay in the bed, and he is, uh, in every definition of the word, reluctant to engage. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he definitely is, is trying to make a go of this, realizing that it's extremely one-sided. Even though, you know, it's it's a marriage that he didn't want and he's not happy with, um, you know, I agree. It, it it speaks a lot to the character that the character is developing. You know, there would have been a point in time where I don't think he would have taken it as seriously. But given the recent events, he's I, – I feel like he is becoming a – uh, forgive the wording, a bigger person. Yeah. I mean, we saw him when he first got married, and he was talking to Shay about nothing will change between him and Shay. He's just marrying uh, Sansa because he has to. Uh, right. But we see in this episode that's far, far from the case. Yep. Um, 
I'm trying to think of anything else that I really want to address here, and and I'm coming up coming up blank. I think I've touched on some of the key factors. Oh, one other thing, um, the fool that gives Sansa the necklace. Yes. Obviously, he addressed, and it was addressed in the show that he was the fool that she saved at Joffrey's name day. Um, thoughts on his reappearance after two seasons? We haven't seen this guy since season two, episode one, and now it's season four, episode one, and he reappears. There will be some interesting things coming with him. <laughs> I will well, just leave it at spoiler that. Spoiler alert. Interesting things in the in the works. A little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say that um, his role, as meaningless as it seems now, ends up being extremely crucial. Yes. So he, keep he set certain events in motion. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of a better way to put that, and really, he's he's doing it out of orders from elsewhere. But yes. Um. He's playing a Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh! But you guys have any follow-up, uh, final thoughts, contributions? Uh, I want to know what what the next what the swords are going to be called from Ice. Is it like permafrost and <laughs> snowflake <laughs> and iceberg? I don't know. Um, it has to be something a glacier. bit less than ice. Glacier and... Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm sure they'll have very uh, very Lannister names. Lion's Fang and... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't remember that being covered in the books. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know if... Obviously, naming your sword, as we saw with the Hound, is not a universal action... He makes no. a, he makes a very blunt statement about people that name their swords. He obviously doesn't agree with the practice. Yep. But um, let's see what we get to expect in the next episode. From what I understand, the purple wedding will be next episode, and the aftermath from that will uh, have at least ample time to play out. Purple is my wedding. understanding. Aftermath. Ooh. Yeah, it's widely known that the Red Wedding being that of, um, which was the death of Rob and Catelyn. The Purple Wedding, that being the marriage of Joffrey and um, Marjorie Tyrell. From Highgarden. Yep. From Highgarden. Yes. Highgarden. And uh, as one last side note, I did like the, the backstory that we got to see with Prince Oberyn. And his history with the Lannisters. So that definitely sets up for uh, some very interesting drama to potentially unfold in the future. I can say the that Lannisters I, aren't the only ones that pay their debts. That is correct. I am waiting to see Gigane, the mountain. The mountain. I eagerly uh, wait his yeah. appearance. Again? I have been hearing a lot about him, and since being big and I just want to see how big that great sword is. Well we saw him in <laughs> season one where he jousts against Loras Tyrell. Loras very um, intelligently rides a horse to provoke the mountain's horse and the mountain decides to cut off his horse's head after he gets thrown to the ground. Um, but that was the original actor. I think the actor's been replaced uh, 
Hmm. I don't mean to. At least once up to two times now, so. Should be interesting. Very much. Fight with the great sword, I guess I should say. Yeah, he and the hound went at it in that that scene, so. But I think ice has still been widely known as pretty much the greatest in size sword in the Seven Kingdoms. That thing was just monstrous. It's used for executioning of people who uh, left the wall. And it was hounded down from generation to generation through the Starks, so it's been. was an heirloom that is now no more. No more. So the Stark houses in general is almost no more. So well, technically Snow should have gotten it, then no. Sansa and Rob, Arya, well, considering the systems now. Well, Arya, or Sansa and Arya have more claim to it than John because John's an illegitimate child. So it would be going yep. down to Sansa. Even That'd though be... John's male, you still have to follow the pure bloodline first. It'd be kind of funny, actually. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sansa wielding... Ice. <laughs> <laughs> just drag it on the ground. It's just like something, some zombie you'd see. That's it, that's it. But yep. I think we're going to end it here? I think so. I think uh, until next week, join us for our exclusive Game of Thrones podcast with the Not Network. Garrett here. Signing out. Brad. Wade. That's a wrap. 